Welcome to the Airport Experience News Podcast. I'm Ramon Lowe, the host of the pod and the publisher of Airport Experience News. Actually, as I am publishing this episode, we are in the process of mailing the July issue of the magazine. And if you weren't aware, July is the first of our two annual food-focused issues. Make sure you get your copy and subscribe. You can just go to airportxnews.com slash subscribe. Well, this is episode 51, and here I chat with an old friend, Vito Buscemi, the Vice President of Brands and Concepts for Delaware North. And Vito and I chat about upcoming trends, what he'd like to see in airports, and as you listen to the episode, it's pretty much a recurring theme with Vito, but you listen to him talk about his passion for authentic, old-world scratch cooking. And this is pretty great to hear because this is truly representative of the food that's now available in many, if not all, airports across North America. Well, anyway, here is my conversation with Vito Buscemi. So I'm here with Vito Buscemi, the Vice President of Brands and Concepts for Delaware North. Vito, thanks for taking the time to speak with me. Sure. So uh, just so you know, and everyone who's listening knows that July, uh, the July issue of the magazine is focused on food and beverage, which is great because personally, I love to eat. I, I want to talk about trends with, the, with food and concepts with you. So the first thing is, I just want to start generally, uh, not really specific to airports. You know, I want you to talk about some of the trends that you're seeing from your uh, vantage point. I, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, in the industry today, I think, I think you definitely see what's what's uh, what's old is new uh, and some of the you know very traditional foods and tra- traditional service styles i think are 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 definitely extremely strong and some of the premier food and beverage locations and experiences that you go in today it's it's usually something that's very traditional ethnic and traditional and and out in the open um you know where you're seeing you, you, you see food being cooked out in front of folks and you see food being produced or assembled out in front of folks. It's not a lot of back kitchens. It's all, you know, you're, you're much more immersed in, in the experience um, today. And, and I think it's continuing to move on uh, and move in that direction from, from, from what you see in, in, in food halls to, to butcheries, to pizza shops, to, uh, it just, just, just on and on. It's just more authentic, and it's it's and it's localized just because it's not produced in a factory and shipped in. Uh, you know, a lot less processed food, and I, I think that's you know extremely relevant today. Whether you tie that into being trendy, because a lot of it is is just you know food the way you used to imagine, right? In your in your in your grandparents' neighborhoods, right? <laughs> With your butcher and your and your uh, and your and your produce folks and your your bread baker and, and all that all that just really good quality localized locally produced um, and experienced out in front of the guest um, is I think you know what generation of young folks are coming on they're kind of looking at food I think in a different way today rather than just fast and consistent no matter what the ingredients uh, they're looking at more of the of the experience and the quality specifically. And I think that that's um, that also is things that some things that resonate with with folks of all ages that may have had some really great food experiences in their life, and they're getting it more on a regular basis, you know, delivered to them. I think that's that's definitely the you know the 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 way things are, are moving today, and I don't know necessarily that they'll go backwards to the kind of processed. Um, no, yeah. That, 
world that we saw before. That, that's great. Um, and I just want to, because you mentioned, um, I guess you call it the theater kitchen, right? We're putting all the prep work to the fore. Uh, people like seeing it. I, I think that's great. And I think this has been a slow, not a slow, but it's been evident uh, for many years. I know you guys do it with, with um, some of the, with the concepts that you guys have in your portfolio. Is it also, does it also coincide though with the rise? And this is many, at least a couple decades now, but is it, does it coincide with a much uh, more educated consumer as opposed to back then when it's like, okay, I just want a hamburger. It gets created for me or whatever. And it comes out and I don't think much of it. Um, whereas now I'd like to see prepared. I want to know how it's prepared uh, and what else goes into it. I mean, the food network stuff and the education is, is big. Yeah, it is. I, um, I don't know if I would say that. I mean, I think maybe, I think for health reasons that maybe people are more, edu- you know, you get forced mm-hmm. to be educated, right? When, with obesity and all the health issues that came with, with, with really kind of bad for you processed foods. Um, I think that, you know, a lot, a lot of folks had to kind of start changing their diet. And I think your options seem to be like the fast food chains or you're eating a salad. And I don't, I don't think that that's that. I think that people are more educated in the fact that they don't have to just eat a salad to be healthy, that there's just, there's just a healthier lifestyle in general that you could have about the chicken that you're eating and how it was produced and and how you're cooking it. Uh, what you're cooking it in uh, to the to the vegetables that come with it to the you know to the um, all, all the sides and accompaniments the the bread that you're eating with your food if you're eating bread right that it doesn't have like crazy softeners in it that aren't aren't, aren't so great for you getting bread not necessarily Wonder Bread that lasts for four months but <laughs> you might be getting a, a loaf of bread a sourdough bread in more cities than San Francisco that uh, that you know maybe only last a day or two but but are definitely just just better and better for you. And I think that once people started eating that way again, uh, you know, because of people's lifestyles are so fast that they want it now and they want it, they don't necessarily care. I think people are getting more conscious of their health and and that, that more and more outlets and locations that are responding to that and coming up with, with, with foods that just taste really good because they're good quality it's not, it's, it's not, um, you're not sacrificing so much anymore by just saying, Oh, I just have to eat a salad because I I can't eat fast food burgers anymore. It's just, there's just, there's just so many more options of good quality food and authentic traditional food for, for folks that I think it's, I think the health came first. Mm -hmm. I I definitely think obesity was one of the things that that could have, and I'm I'm not, you know, just, just my own, my own opinion. But I mean, I, I think that, I, th- I think those health effects were something that started so many people kind of started the wave kind of moving. Um, and I, I don't think that, I don't think, I think when people talk about organics too, like, like local or natural, all natural products or organics, I don't think it sounded very good. <laughs> I know, like, I know, like in the nineties, that was like so much like, you know, it's like fast food places, then you have an organic location. Right. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't that appealing. Like there's like a small segment of folks that like, understood that or got it and, and but i think a, a large majority of the population wasn't kind of jumping onto like organics and all natural because it just didn't sound good it's just better if you got like you know you hear like great japanese food a great italian food a great greek food and you go in and you eat it and it it tastes really good and it's really good quality and it what didn't come from a plant somewhere so it's more i think of like the people are responding to their health reasons when it comes to traditional food that's made from scratch 
much more than saying it's 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 local and organic. Yeah, I remember as a kid, I think it was the mid to late 80s when alfalfa sprouts were the, the rage. And this is supposed to be introducing healthy eating or an alternative to like your iceberg lettuce. And I remember like, this doesn't taste great. <laughs> I mean, this is what to be healthy. We're going to eat alfalfa sprouts. And what did I end up doing? I would pour like a bunch of ranch dressing over it, which robbed it of any <laughs> nutritional benefits whatsoever. Um, but I, I get you what you mean. I mean, like it's, you know, there's a lot of, you could eat healthier. It doesn't have to be healthy in terms of like void, devoid of uh, taste and flavor, I guess. It, it doesn't. And it, it just comes in a different way. And I think really the, the authentic and traditional foods are, are really what people are grasping onto. And part of those foods that are made from scratch, if, if you could see them being produced out in front of you in some way, and you know that they're, you know, they're scratch, that's part of the experience and it starts to kind of create this like good for you food that has great, great displays and merchandising and great service styles where you could like, have an interaction with some of the folks that are producing your food. Um, which is also a big difference, right? There's a difference, I think, between walking up to a cash register, feeling you're at a micro store, right? And, and, and walking up to someone that's preparing your food, that's handing you the food that they've just assembled or prepared or both, right? right, right to you. And so I think there's a much more of a connection today, I think, to the culinarians and the people that are making the food and taking responsibility for the delivering of it to the customer opposed to it coming out of a back window or back kitchen or a back chute where those people are invisible and the process is invisible um, and, and you're just working with someone that's ringing you as a transaction. And so I, th I think that that's, th those are the experiences that they used to hit. When I would hit the markets with my grandfather when I was younger, you know, he knew the, the butcher and he knew the, the folks at the produce stand and he knew the folks at the bakery. There, you know, his name was Vito too, strangely enough. But, you know, they'd call his name when I'd walk in with them. You know, they'd be like, hey, Vito, what can we get you? I got, you know, they they cut they cut the meat for him. They'd hand a little over the counter for him to taste it first. And that kind of interaction or that kind of, that kind of attention, that's, that's what I think, you know, folks have grasped onto. Mm -hmm. And I think that you see these, even you, you see the success of food halls. And, it, and I know it's, you know, it's, it's a big talk these days of, of food halls, but, and they are trending because yeah. there's so many of them opening around. But if you look at the core of the food halls and a lot of the successful ones, they're authentic food that's made out in front of you. It's cooked, it's assembled, and it's delivered. And, and the best ones are the families that are, that are there making it with love and interacting with the customers as they come up, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. And, and it's, it's funny because like um, I just got back from uh, our family vacation and we were in the Vermont, New Hampshire area and mainly Vermont where farmers markets, you know, there was maybe one grocery store, but for the most part, everyone who lived in the area, they sourced from one another. You know, the, if it was a tomato, it was a locally grown tomato. It, they have such tremendous best practices. I'm sure it's healthy. Now, I don't know if that method meant that the tomato tasted a lot sweeter when I was consuming it or what, uh, but it definitely made me feel like, wow, this is really how it was as far as maybe even before I could even remember. Yeah, it's the the story. Definitely, the romance and the story is a part of it. I mean, that's with branding, especially with specific branding. But the the ingredients are really important and where they come from. I just was 
couple of weeks ago out of the Ferry Building in, in San Francisco, and, and I've been there many, many times, but I don't know why it really hit me this last time I was there with the, the some vendors that have been there forever and then with some new vendors. It's yeah. like everywhere you went, even the gelato stand had ingredients inside the gelato from different vendors that were inside the market. And, yeah. and, and everybody, you go to Hog Island, eat oysters, you get you got uh, bread from, from Amy's that was on your table that was fantastic and then you had the cheese was from the cowgirl creamery and the and it just it, everyone was crossing over and sharing product and it was all of them were specialists in in some one of the the, the the different food items and man when it all comes together that place is insane to eat yeah, at i mean yeah sure and people don't tend to look at prices i don't think as much in those kind of environments because the food experience is so good and the quality is so good. Yeah, that more than makes up for it, definitely, definitely. But uh, my next question, it, it's, it's going to be pretty broad. I'm going to ask it anyway, and, and it kind of touches on what you were saying earlier about how um, something like obesity, a trend like obesity had kind of was one of the triggers in the better eating, dieting, et cetera, a kind of movement. You know, let's talk about some of the external factors that are impacting food trends. Um, and these aren't just Delaware North issues, by the way, they're industry wide. They impact your competitors too. I'm sure. Um, and we can kind of go almost in any many number of ways, but you know, you, you talk about the automated, um, uh, the mass produced stuff versus the locally produced items, you know, how these, how things like climate change can affect prices of goods, automation, you know, uh, the tariffs. That's one I, I, an episode I did a couple of weeks ago, but like talk us some of the, maybe choose one or two of the, uh, the, the external factors that you feel are really going to impact food going forward. So, so, so I would say that I think that technology is one thing that, um, so as much as we're talking about authentic and the, the local butcher and the baker and all those things that, that are attracting folks again, right, or back to, I think that, that technology is something that's enabling us to go back to some of those old traditions of focused on the folks preparing the food and the chefs and the culinarians and away from, from, from the the cash registers per se uh, up front in some of at least the quick serve areas, the self checkout technology has been, has been uh, tremendous for us. Uh, and, and I think in a lot of, a lot, a lot of folks in a way where it takes the focus more to where the food is being produced and assembled and, and handed out and that interaction, like I was speaking to earlier mm -hmm. and, and then the transaction speed and the checkout is so much faster. So basically the tech, is um, and I've, I've done uh, I did a couple episodes which we'll be publishing soon on robotics and automation where basically it's not replacing labor it's really redistributing labor so rather than dedicating someone to checking someone out and ringing things up that frees up that person to as you're saying kind of concentrate more on the preparation of the food correct yes it's the shift right instead mm -hmm. of eight cashiers and four cooks you could have six you know six to seven folks preparing the food um, and 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 we're moving towards frictionless when people leave with the food right I mean that's already happening today and yeah. and, and so as I, I speak to self-checkout but after self-checkout you got you know the growth of what Amazon is doing um, the Amazon go stores and so um, I, I think it's it's so much better for the consumer the technology I think is in affecting the food experience in such a positive way that that it, that it's 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 not a computer store um, <laughs> that, that you're walking up to. You're walking up to a food experience, 
and the and the frictionless and the self checkout enables the 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 uh, the food operators to broaden their options because it's not slowing down the transaction speed and the time that it takes to get your food right. If you're walking in and, and helping yourself to to food. You, you could have 10 times the variety if people are kind of grabbing their own. Also, it increases the average check and it increases the transaction speed. So the economics are changing. The balance of employees, uh, the, way you, the way you might staff a unit um, is, is changing. And, and all back to those things that I was saying, like scratch if you can, some form of scratch uh, cooking, but, but good quality food and ingredients uh out in front of folks and that's you know it, it enables that it, it helps that i think that's the, the the biggest effect that you'll uh that, that you're you know you're seeing on the industry today it's funny how we're using or let's say you not miss me i'm not part of it but it's funny how you're using tech which is very advanced to bring you back to focus on kind of like old world prep, you know, it's, it's, it's a good kind of funny, you know, you're using the tech to kind of make sure that we can go back to the tried and true uh, practices <laughs> of yeah, what you're saying, how things are prepared. Because it was labor before. I mean, yeah. It was labor. It's like, well, we don't have the labor to make all our pasta from scratch, you know, like some of the older, you know, what, what, what the families would do in the you know, mom and pop restaurant. We, we don't, we don't have the labor to do that. So we have to shortcut it. You know, we have to shortcut it and we have to do it with products that'll hold, you know, so we don't have a lot of waste the next day. And there was all these factors and, and certainly uh, technology is changing it in a way where it's changing the balance for us. And, and it's, and then the, the customer's reactions to that are, are then driving the success of it. Right. No, um, sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and I, I know you guys are, and I, I should mention you guys are uh, usually at the forefront of some of the, of um, integrating some new technologies. I mean, you were one of, if not the first operating our, at least in our space to work with grab on order ahead. Um, and obviously uh, you have a partnership with Chabotics in, in, in Buffalo with the Sally, the robot machine, correct? Right. Yep. So I think that, I, I think that, you know, it's definitely good to take some some risks with technology because it's changes so rapidly. But yeah. but you have to the experience itself and the new service styles. I, I think are you know are ways for to give the customer more control over their experience when they walk in. They can walk in and just start purchasing uh, or grabbing variety. They you know the, everything at, at arm's reach where you don't have to look at menus as much as you walk through in your shop in a lot of different environments. Whether that's in a in a sports stadium or 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 an airport or a national park uh, or or Disney, you know, for us in some of our operations, it's it's um you know it's a much better experience for people um, when you give them the ability to to walk in and and serve themselves and and talk to the folks preparing their food, you know, step out in some kind of seamless way. Um, it, it just it just the, the the overall experience for people is is a lot less stressful. It's a lot less waiting in time. And, and even if you're waiting and watching your food prepared, it's at least some kind of an experience where you're walking, you're, you know, you're watching, you know, you're watching, uh, you're, you're a little more patient and you're seeing the, the, the folks that are preparing it. Well, I, I, yeah. not to, I, this is probably not applicable to all concepts, but I, 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 I do love the freshly prepared and the visual aspect of it. But does that, does that almost run counter to almost the speed and efficiency needed when you're in an airport and you're traveling from one thing to the next or, or, or not? Or have you, gotten, have you gotten so efficient that I can still get my, my sandwich or whatever meal prepared and made in front of me and still make my time at the gate and be comfortable? 
that's the key that separates um, these these ideals is that we are um, you know we have to bring really good quality food consistent mm-hmm. we could execute it under the timelines needed for for the specific guest and whatever businesses if it's a family in Disney if it's an airport folks trying to catch their flight if it's folks at a sporting venue whether they're there to see the game and just want to grab something quick um, and a lot of times, even in sports, you could lose the sale, right? At halftime at soccer or football, you could lose the food sale because the lines are too long in the concourses. And so you have to like, you know, we're, we're working constantly to kind of recreate that experience, knowing what we know today and knowing what people want, what the customer wants and, and how we could deliver that. You can't, you know, you, you, in some, some areas, you can't make food from scratch, but you could use really good quality ingredients to mm-hmm. prepare. And, and, and you know, in hot, ready-go areas where people could walk up at peak times and just grab their food items opposed to, to waiting, it could be much faster than placing an order and then going over to the pickup and waiting for it to come to you, right? Yeah. So hot, hot ready-go food is something that we are, all of our culinary teams are working on today from the equipment that you use to the, to the way you prepare the food to the ingredients that you use in their hold times, how they, how they hold up, uh, to, to the to the first bite, you know, when the customer grabs it and, and uh, transacts and then, and then eats their food. If it stays hot, if it stays good, consistent quality, if it's not, you know, dried out, if it's not soggy, I mean, those are all things that are for, for us that, you know, we're, we're lucky to have, you know, fantastic culinary staff that could, could work with us in these new challenges that we have with, especially with hot ready go food to deliver consistent quality. So that's the separator. That's the difference between the people that are delivering the experience, I think. And, and for us, you know, we take that really seriously. So it's not just a, a faster speed through the stores. Mm-hmm. It's a better experience right down to the quality. From, from, from the design that pulls you in to the service styles of how you're, how you're, you know, you're, you're servicing yourself in some cir- circumstances as you're, you're coming through, how you're, how you're getting your food in that service style how the food is merchandised for a faster transaction because you can make quicker decisions when it's all the food is out in front of you and you don't have to stop and look at a menu to the, then the execution of the product. And the, and, and as I said, then the last is the quality. It has to be good quality and consistent. So you mentioned, uh, you know, we keep talking about tech and, and I'm just going to, I want to follow up with something. Uh, when we mention technology, at least my mind always goes to front of house uh, I think we should probably talk about the back of the house. So you, f- you feel that there's going to be a movement even on the back of the house equipment, um, cooking uh, equipments and things like that, that will really um, improve or maybe in, in enhance that, uh, you know, that scratch baking and, and assemblage that you were mentioning, correct? Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, from, I mean, who, who would have thought you could put, you know, you could put a grill, you could start, grilling greasy food with uh, on a on a griddle with no hood yeah you know the the evo self-contained units um those are those have been a tremendous difference from us to bring cooking to any area of you know an an environment and 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 not have to be underneath a 10-foot hood that's that's in the same place that it was when the building was built right (laughs) so um because then you could change your floor plans and your throughput and how Mm -hmm. folks you know what what the guest experience is when they come through so that that's that's one put one part of it the other is you know from the the pressure cookers and alto shams and and, and the uh, 
different types of microwave convections yeah. to absolutely the equipment affects the ability to, to bring and deliver quality. It's that that comes back to the execution and quality components that are extremely important. And, and as that technology keeps getting better, we'll keep integrating it. Um, you know, the one good thing for us, we have access. We've purchased a lot of equipment equipment in all of our businesses and so we're able to you know we have good relationships with the manufacturers that we're able to kind of look at the latest technology as it comes up so yes it's it'll it'll have a big impact on, on what we do and how we do it well that's a great bridge to my next question because i know delaware North operates in many other sectors you have other business units uh sports well you were in sports when you kind of stepped away from airports for a little bit obviously national park uh, national parks you have the patina group for that for that high-end dining i have to imagine that there's um great a great information exchange amongst all the groups and um just so how much exchange actually happens you mentioned it just now with the different equipment that your company that delaware north purchases on mass I'm sure you probably look across the aisle at maybe like what the sports people are using and saying, wow, I could, I could really use that. I, I always, I, I worked with, even, even if I was based in one division of the company or another, I always try to work with other groups and, and learn from, from what, what we have from in, in those businesses that have definitely have crossover, but the company realized that that was the case and that the, the Jacobs family and, and the company, we realigned the company last year for growth. And so one of the things we did is we moved some of our groups to the center, center of the, of the company. Um, and, and our group, the brands and concepts groups was one of those. And so we now oversee the five divisions of the company. And, and what it helps us do is it helps us really get dig into projects across from from the Patina Group and what what they do at, at, at Rockefeller Center and MetLife or, or out, out in Los Angeles at, um, at Disney in Anaheim, Disney in Orlando, to the, to the parks and what the parks groups deal with when when tourists come and three four buses come at once and are dumped onto to locations out in the national parks uh, and and how they respond to that right from distribution and quality and and, and delivering and, and at high peak times to to sports. We have so many things that we learn from the different areas of our business and different challenges that every, every division has, including the gaming group where food isn't necessarily always the focus and the challenge comes in, in something different in there. It's like, well, how do we, how do we make food the focus in gaming, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. so uh, opposed to, to the machine. So all, you know, centralizing a year and a half ago now for us has been a tremendous learning, but it also enables us to, to leverage everything that we do across the board. Uh, and you, you know, 500 million guests that we served last year, roughly, um, you know, from, from learnings from all those folks and, and, and how we can keep evolving and changing and getting better. Yeah, this past um, this past conference in Las Vegas, you know, we had a track, a couple tracks of, or a couple sessions, I should say, dedicated to featuring basic, you know, best practices in other categories like higher education, gaming, uh, sports, et cetera. And I think it's just a way to, you know, how can we look outside of ourselves to learn? Now you, you have the benefit of ha obviously having those other competencies. So you're at an advantage, <laughs> right? But, uh, but I guess as an, an industry as a whole, it's great to kind of get visibility on that. And I, I want to just follow up with, you know, can you give a good example or maybe some example of how you have maybe benefited maybe from sports to airports, airports to sports, et cetera? Yeah, de definitely. And I, and I think it's one of the things that I mentioned earlier, it's the service styles. Mm -hmm. I think that the service styles are at the kind of heart and soul of the food business and the experience. And it has, a, you know, service styles have a ripple effect. I mean, ultimately, you know, you, you, you want to have 
the fastest transaction and, and good customer experience that you could have in higher average checks because that makes a difference for us to, to those of us trying to uh, you know make make the, the food and beverage industry work right you have to be you have to be you know keep a speed of service and consistency and be able to execute um, and, and drive revenue but I think if you if you step back and you look at we did it in sports um, and, and, it, and it's it's cascaded across our businesses we looked at the customer experience and the customer journey and the service style and where where you would just traditionally say you had concession stands with belly up concession stands and food portables or, or beer portables on a, on a main concourse in sports um, we, we started to kind of tear that away and say how could we look at a customer experience that would be so much better that you'd be able to kind of walk in you'd have all ready go hot food you could you could walk into a beer cooler and get your own beer. Or you could walk up to the you know person preparing the food and grab hot ready to go food, and then head to you know grab your salty snack and head to your self checkout. That's been that's that that's been changing the experience in sports, and it also has ripple effects across all the other areas of the business we do. Um, one of the latest concepts that we opened up in the airport side at Denver Central Market. Mm-hmm. It's all self serve. You walk up. It's a little over. 3,000 square feet. You have four local chefs in there doing sushi and, and Napoli Dom pizza and rotisserie and charcuterie. And, and you walk up and get great, authentic, quality food, all hot, ready to go. And you grab your own beverages and you, and you self-checkout. And so what we see as being successful on the sports side has absolutely been successful on, on the airports. Um, I mean, to a smaller version of the airports that's been done for a long time where you just had grab-and-go walls of cold food. Yeah. But really, as we start to kind of inch, inch into to hot food and hot food experiences and crossing over into to QSRs and casual dines and changing that experience, there, there's a ton of crossover. And in and, um, and Disney, I mean, what we did a pizza ponte, when you walk up and you pick out your slice of pizza and you, and you, and you pay, the food's all hot, ready to go in front of you on the line. So some of it are old traditional styles of, of service styles, but they're brought kind of in a new way into these non-traditional environments that have been very successful for us. And, and being able to kind of leverage from one division to the other, some of these successes is, has been, I think, is going to be a fantastic um, change in some circumstances for the customers that come through. Um, and, it, and it changes the economics for us on our, on our side, absolutely, and for our clients. That's great. So I want to, uh, my next couple of questions, I just want to look to the future just a bit, you know, so let's start with outside of airports. Uh, you know, what are some of the categories or, or trends in food that you expect to see? I'm not going to hold you to it, but you know, you already mentioned continued scratch, uh, old world style, you know, or, you know, um, authentic cooking and preparation. What else do you see? Because I, I can't imagine that, um, even though we have a love for the old world, um, or as much as I do, there's a group that's coming up, different groups that are coming up, that um, are used to, you know, speed or, you know, one type of service over another? Yeah, I, th- I think that, I think that the, what will keep evolving is I think that, I think that younger folks get around an awful lot more around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more traveling. There's a lot more communication. There's even folks that aren't traveling or young folks that's, that look at Instagram and follow food sites, right? <laughs> um, you know, they, they just... They just know more, and it's not just Asian food isn't Chinese takeout only. That there's so many different layers of, of, of Asian food, and Asian experiences, and Vietnamese food, and Thai food, and all this like great, great food. So 
the traditional ethnic food is there, but I think that there's there there's so much more in in the category of ethnic food and ethnic categories to be exposed to folks. I, I think that's where I, I would see you know things you know continuing to move where you're going to see kind of un, unexpected authentic food. It would fall back to the same thing as traditional food, but but I think you'll see di different um, you know us to start to explore more and for it to be acceptable because it has to sell it can't just be the you know the operator that thinks you know it's got to be what the consumer may you know want to you know want to experience or purchase we had some great indian food that you can get on the, on the concourse and sports i don't remember the last time that happened for me I, I think it's just all across the board. Yeah, uh, food is just uh, improving. But now looking into the airports, do you see the airports keeping pace with the trends that are happening on the street? Because I mean, a lot of the contracts are much shorter now, so you can um, there is there's not as much lag or, or gap between what happens on the street to what happens in the terminal. So you see it almost kind of running side by side with what's happening on the street. Well, I do, but there's really good opportunity with the volume we have in the airports and the customer experience, I think, on the service dial. But as far as the programming the food, you know, you have to still, you have, you have limited areas in, in each section of the airport to program the food. So you still have to, I think, I think you'll see some things continue. The categories of, of coffee and, and, and bakery cafe, you know, some areas that in some of the new airports where they might have some new food footprints or larger spaces, you might see, see them becoming a, a little more uh, risky and sticking the toe in the water in, in some, some different types of ethnic food and having some of it match. I mean, I, I think overall the food has gotten, gotten much better. I think that people are kind of meeting the challenges of the things that are going on in the streets and airports today. I think it's definitely happening. You have to, you have to, you have to bring it a little bit more conservatively in some ways because of the amount of options that people have to, to eat. There's some categories that you just need to keep but just to keep improving on. I think what helps though is that a lot of airports, Fort Lauderdale, you're in Fort Lauderdale, you guys are in Fort Lauderdale. So now um, I believe three and four are, um, you, you can connect and pretty much relatively easily uh, traverse uh, the two side once you get uh, post security. And now if you're given the time, you can experience, you know, um, uh, one type of cuisine over another, you know, if it's Cafe Clique, et cetera, but you can, you can easily kind of make it there because it's accessible. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of the packages and uh, this might be a tricky one, do you see the concept mixes uh, again, it's up to the airports and, and whoever else, but do you see that there is going to be more of a drive to have more local or is it going to be the de airport dependent? or dictated by airport, I should say. Well, I think the consumer, I mean, I think for the most part, the consumer will, will drive it like either way, but I, I do think that um, it will continue that, that airport operators want to have their, their airports be unique, right? Mm -hmm. As much as they're all in the, the same industry in the airline industry, I think they're, they're, they're the gateways to the city. And I think that, that for the most case, the airport operators want to be really proud of the program that they have that's unique and, and, and really represents the city well. And so I don't, I don't think you'll see the local component going away anytime soon. I think it will continue to get stronger. And I think that, you know, teamed up with that will be the, will be, you know, the, the new service styles and the new way we're, we're delivering those experiences to, to, to continue to move. Um, with, with that said, you'll you'll still have a balance. You know, you'll still you'll still have some some national brands that that folks will want. 
um, that they'll they'll need for the consumers that that demand that. But I think that um, I think there's a lot of opportunity still for for chef driven and for for local will will almost always be there. From the scratch cooking, um, you know, those are it's always great to to team up with with some well known culinarians to kind of you know drive that drive that home to the guest. Savito, so my last question for you, and this is purely for fun. So forget a, for a second the viability, profitability, or anything else. You know, what would you personally like to see at an airport, uh, food-wise? Um, I, I like. Um, I'm very much into something really good, really quick. <laughs> so, I mean, because I, I don't lose track that I'm in a hurry. Um, because you, you know, last thing you want to do, you know, when you're running through an airport after going through TSA, is to get get slowed down at any of your. Uh, any of your pit stops before you, you get on a plane, get crammed onto a plane. I personally just love like really great quality food, whether it's just a, a great turkey sandwich with great bread or a great cup of coffee. Um, it, it, as long as it's like is great, great quality for, for me, I'm, I'm wide open. I eat, I eat anything. <laughs> um, I, I just, um, I, I'm, I'm one of those folks that I think that's trending in the direction of less, uh, less, processed food, healthier food. I eat a lot of food, so I need it to be relatively healthy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and then work it off. Uh, but but I, listen, I, I like, I like where the world is going as far as food. And I, I, I always romanticize as I cooked with my grandparents and spent a lot of time with them as they made everything uh, from scratch and food was a real experience and a part of life um, for, for them. And certainly was for me when I was a kid. So the more we could go back to any of any of that uh, of the traditional traditional foods, you know, made with with, with passion and, and love, I think it I think it, it resonates not only for myself, but I think it resonates for a lot of folks. Um, and if we could bring that to these these non traditional environments, I think we you know we have a real win for. It. Well, that's that's great because you know I'm going to tie it into you know we are as we record this, we're about a day or two days from you know the late Anthony Bourdain's um, birthday and they had an Anthony Bourdain day and I guess what he did was really through through his work he really reduced the world and made everything seem accessible and you know educational and I guess one way to experience other cultures and other worlds is through food. <laughs> yeah it, it absolutely is through food it absolutely is and it, it really opens your eyes to all the food and all those traditions and all those things that like I say, you could equate from your own families yep. to, you know, times hundreds of thousands of experiences around the world and different foods and spices and, and all that. It keeps it new and fresh, all those new experiences that you keep going along, right? It's a big part of your life. Well, I was hoping you were going to say that if I gave you the choice to open anything up, that it would be Filipino food. But I'm going to hold out hope that you can <laughs> change your mind down the road. <laughs> Listen, you could see Ramones in your airports. Uh, maybe early next year, right? <laughs> Hopefully somewhere on the West Coast where, where a lot of us are. So Vito, thank you so much for your time. Okay. Thanks, Ramon. It's great talking with you.